I'm Dwight Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment, no illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional rights, provide educational occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. I'm excited about today's show because we are in week seven of the 2023 fall semester at Heartland Community College, and we are studying the courts. I have a wonderful student who is going to enlighten you on some differences and similarities of state and federal court. So without any further ado, I introduce to some and present to others, Mr. Jalen Austin. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jalen. Uh, thank you for having me, Mr. Brigham. I'm happy to be here. All right. Wonderful. The title of today's show is State Court versus federal court. And so this being the seventh week of the semester, Jalen, the first thing that I want to ask you, and oh, I should tell the audience that today Jalen is doing the podcast on his own because the individual that was scheduled to do the podcast with him dropped the course as part of the, his grade of doing the podcast. There is an element of diversity. So that is an area that we will not hold against Jalen because he doesn't have someone else that is doing a podcast with him. You don't have anyone doing the show with you. I still want to ask you, Jalen, this being the seventh week of the semester, how things are going? Are you getting used to Mr. Bingham's madness? I do have a strategy to my madness, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm actually liking the class a lot. Um, I like the way it's ran, how like, the dates are. Like, every Sunday, the homework assignments are due. I like the exam, how it's like formatted. Um, it helped a lot. I like. Uh, I just like the way the classes ran. How people should try it. You're like, Mr. Bing is an amazing teacher. Thank you so much. Because every once in a while, as a professor and as the one that's actually laying all this information out, I'm wondering if is going okay with the students and how they are receiving it. And so you're letting me know that everything is okay. That means a lot to me, man. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's get right into it. Segment one. Segment one, Jalen, is for the educational occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplished this by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would, tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, your major or planned major, why you enrolled in the class, and give us one career go. All right. My name is uh, Jalen Austin. I was born in Chicago Heights, Illinois. I was raised in Orland Park, Illinois. The high school that I attended was uh, Carl Sandburg High School. 
My major right now is criminal justice. Um, I enrolled in this class to just get a better understanding on the criminal justice system and learn more about it. One career goal I have in life is just to try and get into the FBI, be an FBI agent of some sort. Okay, wonderful. Let's move on to segment two, constitutional rights. Segment two is to inform the American public of their constitutional rights. But before we ask you to tell us what your favorite constitutional right is and why, let's remind the audience that today's episode is entitled State Court versus Federal Court. Jalen, we have what is called a dualistic court system. That simply means that we have a state system and we have a federal court system. So the first thing that I want to ask you is, can you give me one characteristic of a state court? A characteristic of a state court is that it is primarily handled cases caused about related to the state laws and regulations and issues within the boundaries of a specific state. Absolutely. Yeah. 42 out of the 50 states have at least one intermediate appellate court. So you have an original court where everything starts. Then you have an intermediate appellate court. Then you have a state Supreme Court. And then, of course, you have the highest court in the land, which is the United States Supreme Court. And that's the reason why we call it a four tier system. And their jurisdiction varies from state to state. But in most cases, they serve to relieve the workload of the state's highest court. That is the appellate court. All right. Very good. The next question I want to ask you is, can you give me one characteristic of a federal court? Yes. um, A federal court has jurisdiction over cases involving federal laws, uh, disputes between states and other matters involving the United States government among uh, federal issues. Wonderful. Man, that's a better answer than I had. The federal court system is a three-tiered system. Yeah. And so you have the United States district courts, which, like you said, Jalen, they entertain any type of federal law violation. That's where it starts at. The original court at the federal level is the United States district courts. Then they have an appellate level and then they have the United States Supreme Court. So it's three tiered system, if you will. All right. Very good. Where is the original jurisdiction for state cases located? I think I'm going to get him on this one. Well, this one is a, uh, the original court for state cases is located um, with, within boundaries of the respective state. OK, um, OK, that that would pass the original courts for states. They are in the particular counties okay. of of a particular state. So let's take Clay County, for example, every city that a crime is committed that is in McLean County court is handled in Bloomington. And we call that the county seat. And so each county, they handle their particular law violations, which is a little different than the federal system. Let me ask you that. What is the original court jurisdiction for federal cases? The original court jurisdiction for federal cases is vested in the United District Courts, where uh, cases involve federal laws and issues involving the federal government. Absolutely. Boy, you did your homework. Wonderful. Original court for federal cases are U.S. district courts. There are 94 district courts, 13 circuit courts, and one Supreme Court throughout the country. What do you think the public's perception is of judges? Judges, they hold up the law for the country. But with that being said, some judges can be very, can be biased during court cases or different court cases. Okay. All right. And, and again, we're talking about what you think 
the public's perception of judges. And what I like to say is I actually just retired as a probation officer after 35 years of service. And right now, the court in which I serve, the 11th Judicial Court, is just wonderful. We have wonderful judges that sit on the bench of the 11th Judicial Circuit. I happen to know many of them. But certainly, judges have their challenges. All the decisions that they make on a daily basis are very tough. And I would add that I had Judge Freeze and Judge Rob on the podcast early on. And I wanted to just show how judges can be human. They're human beings just like we are. Good answer. Are federal judges on the bench for life? Uh, yes, federal judges are on bench for life, but the judges can be uh, removed for inappropriate or illegal behaviors. Oh, watch out now. Watch out. Yes. Judges and justices serve no mixed term. They serve until their death, retirement, or conviction by the Senate. That is federal judges. Federal judges can only be removed through impeachment by the House of Representatives and conviction in the Senate. Are state judges appointed for life? Um, From my research, I learned that yes, they are in Article 3 of the Constitutional State Book that judges can be appointed for life until they are retired or due from death. Approximately half of the states appoint judges and half elect them. 31 states use commission plans to aid the governor in selecting judges. In four states, the governor appoints judges without using a nomination commission subject to senatorial confirmation. They can be appointed or they can be elected. But eventually, like in the state of Illinois, they got to go on the ballot and they have to receive a certain percentage of votes from the public. All right. Very good. What is the criteria for being a judge? Um, The criteria for being a judge is you have to earn a high enough of the bachelor degree in any relevant field. You have to pass the LSAT test, which is the law school administration test. Uh, you have to attend and pass law school and also have your license in being a lawyer by passing the bar exam. Wonderful. Excellent. In addition, let me just add on to that fabulous answer. A judge at any level, one, must be a citizen of the United States. Two, as you pointed out, an attorney licensed to practice in that state. And three, a resident of the district or circuit to which the judge is appointed or elected. For example, I mentioned that I was a probation officer for 35 years. And as part of being a probation officer, technically, I could probably live in my hometown of Festus, Missouri, which is like 35 miles south of St. Louis. Certainly, that would make it logistically very difficult to get to Bloomington Monday through Friday. But I could drive 160 miles to Bloomington every morning, or I could take the bus, or I could take the train. But the law says that they would prefer that you live in the county in which you serve. And so that is the reason why I had to live in McLean County the entire 35 years of my career. So it's the same with judges. I I think that's a good thing because one of the ways that judges get to know, because the judges are the ones that decide who are going to become judges. They're the ones that appoint them. They are the ones that actually let the public know that they are good people, upstanding people, and that would represent the community well. They want to see you practice law. So you couldn't live out in California and practice law and then come to McLean County without being licensed in the state of Illinois. But I know that it soon might happen where 
you can be licensed in the entire United States. Uh, I, I think that might be coming down the road. Having said that, let me just add some other characteristics of judges. There are approximately 16,300 judges currently employed in the United States. 49% of the judges are women, while 51% are men. The average judge age is 46 years old. The most common ethnicity of judges is white, 75% followed by Hispanic or Latino, 8%, Asian, 7%, and Black or African-American, 5.5%. And so I would just say that African-Americans obviously are underrepresented. We make up about 13% of the country. So in terms of judges, we're about, oh, 8% under that. And so I, I think that we need to make some advancements in that area. Shout out to young lady by the name of Jasmine Twitty who was born December 4th, 1989. She's an associate judge for Easley, South Carolina Municipal Court. At the time of her appointment to the position of associate judge, August of 2015, she was the youngest judge to ever be appointed or elected as a municipal court judge in U.S. history at the age of 25. And so my point is, is that a lot of times we think that people are too young to become judges, everybody has to learn. And so I just wanted to state that not only was she young, but she was African-American. All right, let's move on to segment three, being a voice for change. As an emerging adult who grew up in a predominantly white America, what say Jalen about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? I, I support Black Lives Matter. Uh, I didn't support as much as the movement was happening down in, in Chicago and different cities during like the riots and everything, but I do support Black Lives Matter as, like, as a whole. Um, and white supremacy, I do think it still exists in some places. You know, it's um, more of a predominantly white areas. It's still, you still see it around a couple areas. Um, it's kind of scary, but yeah, that's, that's how I really feel about it, though. Okay. What would you like? I asked everybody that appears on the show, if you have one thing, that you would like to see the Biden administration accomplish, what would that be? <laughs> It'd be uh, to complete the, on the student loan forgiveness. Uh, <laughs> my student loans to go away, so hopefully that get completed and finished. And that'll help me out a lot. Wonderful. And so would it be safe to say, Jalen, that if you could graduate from college and not have any debt, that would put you in a position to have some money or your money go towards purchasing a house or yeah, home car, car, vehicle, something like that, that would make your life a lot more convenient or easier. Yes. Yes. All right. Very good. Any thoughts on speaking of Black Lives Matter, white supremacy, any thoughts on how to make race relations better? Um, I don't really have like an actual answer on that. OK. Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't have a good answer on that one. No worries. No worries. Okay, so I would assume that if you have one thing that you would like to see the Biden administration accomplish, that would be loan forgiveness. I assume that you would be for free community college. Uh, yes, I am, actually. Uh, I think that free community college would, um, it would just give people more access to higher educations. Okay, absolutely, my man. Should a convicted felon be allowed to be president of the United States? I don't think they should have the ability to be a president of the United States due to they already they uh they had forked up their their chances when they when they got convicted of any felony they had committed. All right. They kinda lost their chances in that. Okay, all right. 
What's your position on a convicted felon being allowed to vote? Voting is a different answer for me. I think it depends on um, like the circumstances of the charges they have, like, like the felony they committed. That's how I feel about like, if they're able to vote or not. Like if it's like a lightly charged, definitely they should be able to vote. Okay. Is there anyone, I've been asking everybody this semester particularly because of what's going on in this dispensation. And that is, is anyone or should anybody be above the law? And what I mean by that is that if a person violates the law, should they not be charged like the rest of us? They should be charged the same. I, I think no one should be really above the law. I do understand that question. Like, yeah, I think uh, more like everybody should be charged equally in the same. Okay. If you're... Yeah, yeah, because that's one of the things that I'm trying to drive home this semester is that nobody should be above the law. There is a Democratic senator who on Capitol Hill was recently charged with federal law violations. And obviously the ex-president was charged. A Republican was charged with federal law violations. And so my thing is, is that students have to really realize that no matter who you are, you cannot have somebody that commits criminal behavior and does not get treated just like the common man, you and me. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. All right. And then finally, marijuana is legal in the state of Illinois. Should it be legalized at the federal level? Um, I think yes. I think just because um, more states are opening up to legalizing marijuana too. I know not all states are, but some, most more states throughout the year are going to legalized marijuana. And I feel like, in my opinion, that marijuana isn't really a bad drug, I guess you could say. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Very good. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Characteristics of state and federal courts, the public perceptions of judges, original courts and appellate courts, important constitutional rights, and how to make America a better place to live. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed. Thank <laughs> you.